Escape from Plan A. Okay, welcome listeners to another episode of Escape from Plan A. This is uh, Philip, your occasional host here. Um, I've got a very interesting show today. We're going to talk about um, this interesting 24-hour workday fight that's going on in New York City. Uh, before we get to that, I want to actually uh, mention our Patreon. Um, if I think we're, we usually are planning on release. We, we normally would release this as a patrons-only episode, but we're actually going to unlock this because uh, the fight is timely. It's very relevant what's going on in New York. Um, and also because, you know, this episode was actually in part the result of conversations we've had with our patrons in our fan discord um, who really shape some of the topics that we talk about uh, on plan A. So I thought it'd be nice to give uh, people who are not subscribed uh, reasons to subscribe and, and to, you know, see what kind of stuff we're crafting here internally at plan A. So if you haven't already, please uh, find us on uh, patreon.com slash plan A mag uh, and, and uh, subscribe. Um, so we got an interesting chat here. We got guests from two New York City area worker centers today to talk about the 24-hour day uh, workday fight um, going on right now. Um, I think it's a very relevant topic on the theme of Asian American you know, work and labor that we cover a lot here on Plan A. And it's also a topic that's been requested by, like I said, by both Plan A patrons, but also folks who are not patrons, who are just fans of the pod, uh, who directed us to this. Um, what's a little bit funny about this episode is that I'm actually not one of the, the New York City plan airs. I'm based in Toronto, Canada. Um, so I thought this would be actually a great way for me to play dumb a little bit, you know, try to learn from the two experts we have uh, on board who I'll introduce in a second. Um, so, so listeners who are not in New York City can get a sense of why it's important um, because there is some, you know, there's a lot of local context, um, but I think it's also a very relevant conversation for everyone in, in the U.S. Uh, and Canada to hear about. Um, so without ado, our, our guest, we've got Sarah from the Flushing Workers Center. Um, Sarah, do you want to just give us a bit of an intro as to what you do and a bit about the Flushing Workers Center? Sure. Um, thanks, Philip, for, for having us on. Mm -hmm. um, as you said, my name is Sarah. I'm with the Flushing Workers Center. Um, I, um, you know, I'm, I am living and working in Queens. Uh, we formed a worker center a few years back uh, to fight sort of the very bad labor conditions in Flushing. When we started, we like to call Flushing a labor disaster zone. Um, mm. There are many uh, workers um, in you know many industries, but in particular the service industry that are working in uh, you know kind of swash up conditions, you know low wages, um, long hours. Um, kind of rampant wage theft. And so mm -hmm. that's kind of how we got started um, by fighting some of those and coming together to improve our working conditions as well as our living conditions. Awesome. Thank you for being on the show. Um, and also from a another uh, New York City area uh, worker center, um, you got Zishun from the Chinese Staff and Workers Association. Zishun, you want to give us an intro? Hi, thank you, Philip. Uh, my name is Zishun. I'm from uh, uh, organizer with Chinese Staff and Workers Association. Uh, it's a worker center that has been uh, around for more than 40 years. Uh, and uh, we found it initially, you know, back in the late uh, 70s and early 80s, um, because uh, the workers uh, saw the uh, limitation of the traditional labor movements 
mm-hmm. um, where the uh, you know people talking about the the unionization drive and all of that, but you know the the workers even within the only uh, uh, within the union uh, still working in the sweatshop conditions. Mm-hmm. So there's a lack of focus, you know, on uh, actually the, the the issues on the ground. For example, the wage steps, long hours. Um, so, and then we also see the need, right, uh, workers across trades, you know, come together because, um, mm-hmm. many, many of the issues are faced by, by workers, whether you work in a restaurant or in the government factories. Um, so that's the, um, idea of Chinese staff, uh, the being a worker center, you know, to bring the workers together, uh, and also, you know, to overcome some of the, uh, differences, you know, the, 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 the age, uh, you know, the, the trades, you know, immigration mm-hmm. status, all mm-hmm. of that. And we also uh, focus, you know, not only in the workplace, but also in the community because we see the uh, exploitation kind of goes, you know, just uh, beyond the workplace, right? It has to happen in different forms in the community. So we organize uh, uh, around different issues. Got it. Yeah. And actually, that's an interesting distinction that I, I did not really understand until um, looking into your two organizations. You, I mean, you guys are not labor unions. That's a completely different thing. Uh, both your organizations are considered worker centers, right? So that that's a important distinction that I think will come into play a little bit later in the conversation. Um, so, so the specific topic we're talking about here is this 24 hour workday. Um, that's, that's, I think it's New York state legislation that allows this to happen. In particular, there's a fight going on with a group called the, uh, Chinese American, um, what is it? Planning, uh, planning council. Planning council. That's right. CPC, which is a funny, uh, abbreviation. Um, and, uh, I, I don't want to get too much in, like, I know a little bit about it, but I, I want to kind of maybe let you guys talk about it. So maybe Sarah, if you could start by talking about what's going on with this particular, you know, Chinese American planning council, what they're doing, what, you know, as an agency, what their workers are saying, complaining about, uh, and give us a bit of an intro there. Sure. Um, I can get us started and then, um, Zishan can chime in with more, more info, mm-hmm. but, um, so uh, workers from CPC um, were um, actually the first workers to um, sort of sound the alarms on this very um, horrific 24-hour workday. Um, they came forward about six years ago, um, and many of them, you know, so, um, you know, you said in the beginning that you wanted to give people a glimpse of, um, you know, sort of uh, New York City and, and, you know, the fights that are happening here. Um, so here in New York City, especially in the Chinese community, a lot of the home attendants um, are former garment workers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's once the garment industry sort of, um, you know, uh, kind of uh, decreased, a lot of them went into home care. And so a lot of them have sort of um, connection to Chinese Staff and Workers Association because of their long, um, you know, um, presence in the community organizing. And so... Um, you know, this one woman, Lai Chen, she came, um, you know, she was a longtime member of CSWA, um, you know, came seeking help because uh, she was um, actually started because she received a check from um, the Department of Labor for about mm-hmm. $200 saying that, um, you know, and she was like, what is this? <laughs> like, what is this check? And she was asking around, asked the agency, asked her union, um, and they were like, it was for overtime, unpaid overtime wages. Um, and so she, at that time, had been working, you know, 24 hours a day, taking care of a very, very sick patient um, around the clock, right, for three to five days a week for years, I think for about seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was 
it's it's such a grueling sort of you know I mean one can imagine right any one of us who you know has family members um, or you know our grandparents whoever who are older you know you could imagine you know there's so much work goes into the caregiving mm-hmm. um, so she was in a really you know um, a very dire situation you know both physically and mentally um, but she was you know she came she came seeking help and. Through it, she realized, you know, she was like, this is ridiculous. You know, so on top of having to work these extremely long hours, the system in New York is that um, you only paid for 12 of those hours, sometimes 13 of those hours. Mm-hmm. So basically, they get away with this, um, you know, uh, massive wage theft by saying, oh, you know, you're sleeping at night, you're, you know, taking lunch breaks, you know, you know dinner breaks, etc., but what Lai and a lot of workers will tell you is that that is that's is just a, a straight up lie. You know, it's near impossible, right? Um, you're up during the night, um, caring for your patients. You know, even when you're eating, you're caring for your patients, right? You're essentially trapped in these homes, you know, with with you know those that you're uh, taking care of. You know, you're not allowed to leave their side, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, very quickly, you know, it started by the worker center aiding Lai in, you know, pursuing her unpaid wages, right? Um, getting back those um, hours that she worked and was not paid for. But uh, very quickly, it evolved into um, a fight to say, you know, um, you know, why in the 21st century are women having to work, you know, 24 hours in the first place, right? Um, if you listen to Lai and her coworkers. Um, you know, they will often talk about, um, you know, the the impact that it's had, you know, the destruction of their health, the destruction of, um, you know, their, their home lives, their family lives, right? How, mm-hmm. you know, sort of, uh, you know, seeing their, you know, uh, you know, their kids growing up and them not, you know, having been there, right? You know, all of these things I think a lot of us face as working, working people, right? Um, and so, you know, they sort of uh, spearheaded this fight to end this 24-hour uh, workday. Um, they uh, came together and by, you know, organizing against CPC, they also in- uh, inspired and organized workers from many, many different agencies to come forward. And what we found that this is a... Is a um, it's, you know, a, a pretty prevalent practice in New York State. Um, and we learned a lot through that. You know, it's quite uh, it's quite ridiculous that New York State, you know, so-called, you know, progressive, you know, most progressive state in the nation, right, that we have um, such a system, right, um, or that in the U.S. we have such a system. Um, and, um, and it's only in New York, right? It's like, I, I, like, you know, California and other states, they don't have this 24-hour workday thing in place. They don't. They don't. Yeah. So it's, it's a pretty uniquely New York problem. Um, and so, you know, we've been calling on New York, you know, to say, um, end this practice. And, and more than, you know, and also just not just New York, we, we find it's, it's actually a New York City problem, right? So the, mm. the, you know, guidelines, obviously, because, you know, all of this is mandated by the state. It is New York State, but um, we have partners in Buffalo and other places upstate. Yeah. And while the the, the shifts it do exist, um, by and large, um, they get uh, what you call a split shift. So, if a person um, upstate requires twenty four hour care, they'll have two workers or three workers splitting up that time, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. three eight hour shifts, two 12 hour shifts to mm-hmm. take care of them. Um, so, you know, really called, you know, uh, made us question why in New York City, right? Why here where 
uh, the workers are, you know, you know, predominantly, you know, um, a immigrant workforce, um, a woman of color workforce, um, as well as the patients, right? Those they care for, you know, these are Medicaid recipients. So this is all managed by the state. Um, yeah. You know, these are also um, working people, right? These are retired, um, aging, um, you know, or, or disabled, low income people. Um, yeah. I want to get into a bit more into that. I know this is obvious for some of our listeners, but for me, it's maybe not entirely obvious. I want to kind of spell it out, right? So the um, the the work we're talking about here are home attendants, right? So that means it's somebody who is kind of like a social worker, maybe maybe not that term, um, who is, you know, living, essentially living with some senior, right? And taking care of their, their, their like kind of daily needs, right? I think in the industry, these are called ADLs, like a, uh, something was it? Something, something of day. Uh, I, I gotta look it up. ADL, something about daily living. Um, uh, and it, it it's they're, they're just like everything from like you know bathing to to eating to like you know using the washroom, cleaning up afterwards. Like the, this is some pretty grueling stuff. And these workers are effectively just there living with them, taking care of these on very long shifts. That's that's the general. Just is that is that about correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think uh, also that there's some distinction um, between the domestic workers and the uh, home care workers um, because uh, the uh, home care workers, I mean, you know, you can say they 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 live there because they spend so much time, uh, but at the right. same time they have their own family. You know, they have their own homes uh, to to go back to. So it's actually different from when you talk about domestic workers. Yeah, usually if they you're full time and then the the uh the the family will, will provide you a, a room, a space, you know, to to stay, you know, overnight. Yeah. Um but for uh home care workers that's not that's not usually the case. Um and in, in many of the situations they even uh, don't have their own uh, room in the patient's home. So where are they sleeping then? Because they are, they are sleeping there for like, you know, five hours or less a day. I mean, right? because, because the the work doesn't, you know, they, they're not, actually not supposed to, to, to have the continuous sleep. They're not able to, you know, right. sleep that way. Because um, when you, uh, the 24 hour, uh, when a patient, uh, uh, you know, people with disability, senior, they, they, when they require 24 hours of care, mm-hmm. usually means that they're pretty, pretty serious, right? The condition. Yeah. They, yeah. they cannot take care of themselves, right? And they have they have all these kind of um, uh, illness like the you know Alzheimer, you know dementia, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know they cannot you know uh, get out of the bed by themselves, you know all of that. So the uh, the uh, the home care workers supposedly they have to uh, uh, take care of them the whole time, you know right. whenever they they need anything uh, or you know even at night you can't you know really sleep because if you if you have like dementia you know stuff like that. You know, yeah, you, you, might, you might do something. You know, that's there's a wander rescue. Maybe getting up and you know wandering around. That's a very real part of it. Um, yeah. I think the, tr- the term I was looking for is activities of daily living (ADLs). This is like a well-understood term describing like the kind of things that these seniors need help with: eating, dressing, getting in or out of bed uh, or a chair, taking a bath or a shower, using the toilet. Right? Like this is like and and you know to your point, issue like they need help for almost all these things, and these workers are there to really assist with that. Right, um, in its entirety. So, yeah, yeah, very tough work. Um, I, I want to get into um, the the demographics of the actual workers themselves. Right, you, you talked a bit about this, Sarah, but maybe um, you guys can elaborate here. It, it, I was looking at some of the videos from the protests in front of the CPC. It appears that they're they're mostly women. They look like they're you know maybe middle aged or older. I think you mentioned some of them in their fifties and even sixties, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, they, I, I believe they're first generation Chinese immigrants. Um, they've been here for a while because some of them have been dealing with these working conditions for like over a decade. Um, and you mentioned they're mostly Cantonese speaking. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, this is not like, this is, you know, they're, they're low class workers or low wage workers, right. Compared to a lot of other people you may think of when you think about like Chinese people in New York city, right. You know, these are not like, they're not like 20 something tech workers, right. With a sweet gig out of their Ivy league school or whatever, right. We're talking people who have been here for some time, um, you know, from a, a previous wave of immigration and have just been doing this for a super long time. Um, is that about correct? Is there any, are, they, are we kind of leaving out any groups of like Chinese Americans or Asian Americans? Because often when I think about these kinds of like social workers or care workers, they, it's often Filipino, right? At least in Canada where, uh, where I'm familiar with this kind of work. But here it's actually like first gen Chinese immigrants who've been here for some time. Well, I, I, I would uh, want to add that, you know, there are other uh, races too. Uh, like Korean, uh, mm-hmm. Latinos, and like you say, Filipino. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, um, I wouldn't doubt if there are Filipino home, home attendants. Uh, and also, even within the uh, Chinese speaking, there are. I, I think there are more and more uh, Mandarin uh, yeah, speaking as well. Of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, even though the the Cantonese speaking, they were the uh, first one who really uh, stood up um, in this fight. But they inspire, you know, uh, workers from from other races and ethnicities. Uh, That's to right. Also, come out. Uh, even within the Chinese American Planning Council, there were uh, uh, some Latino workers. Uh, Got it. Too. Yeah. So yeah, I, I want to get to the CPC in a second because they're at the center of this fight. But I want to talk a bit about language first of all, right? Because I, I I noticed that you know I think when Sarah introduced you, Zishun, and and how you're involved, uh, it was mentioned that you know you speak Cantonese, and that's a big part of being able to support these workers, right? Is there often a language barrier? Like, are these folks who are looking for help, are they English proficient at all? Are we talking about just purely Chinese speaking? Yeah, many of them, they, uh, they, they don't know English. I mean, maybe over the years, you know, um, they, they stay in the U.S., they probably know some basic uh, English. Sure. Uh, but yeah. yeah, oftentimes they, uh, they, they don't. Right. Um, and that becomes a huge problem with like trying to, you know, file a complaint or like, you know, file a lawsuit if it gets to that. Yeah, that could be the that could be the the difficulty uh, sometimes. But at the same time, I think the the main thing is uh, you know whether they are clear about what they are fighting for, um, because a lot of time when uh, you know in this society people are encouraged to work long hours, uh, even the uh, home care workers for years right yeah. work a twenty four hour shift. So right. still, it was like up to a point where they 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 feel like it's so it's so ridiculous. That they're able to to come out, you know. So even though they don't speak English, they still, you know, they they, they actually fight very very, you know, fight very inspiring fights and actually inspire a lot of people who you know have different skill sets to come yeah. in and, and 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 join. So that includes you know like many people who who can do the the translation and you know young people who kind of study you know different areas uh, mm-hmm. and the, the the lawyers you know who come in to to kind of help them. So. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, even though the language is a, is a barrier in the first place, but because of uh, how, you know, how they're able to, to organize, that actually help, you know, able to resolve, you know, these kind of barriers. Yeah, it's, it's not just about the language barrier you're saying, it's also about organization. Is it also about kind of knowledge of the, the law? Is that part of it? Uh, that's, uh, you know, I think for, for many years, right, they, they're being told that, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, they, they, their, night, their night time is uh, uh, okay not to be paid. 
Um, right. Because uh, when they when they first came out, I think even the even the union, the the, the agency, will all tell them that uh, it's you know it's uh, the your 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 uh, the home care industry is very special. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not you know you're not supposed to 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 get paid. You know, mm-hmm. the the full hours that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So there's all these kind of uh, excuses, which later on proved to be to be untrue. Well, they're not um, excuses; they're just straight up lies, right? Like they're supposed to be paid for that time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And uh, even when the uh, Sarah mentioned earlier about the two hundred dollars uh, check that like you yeah. first uh, receive, um, yeah. it wasn't for the, the the unpaid wages for the nine hours. It was just like a global settlement of uh, um, from the Department of Labor mm-hmm. uh, to try to resolve the issue of overtime. Um, but at that time, even the overtime didn't include the the nine hours, so they just counted oh twelve hours. Uh, of right. the whole twenty-four hour shift, and then oh, maybe in in there there's some overtime that are not not paid. Right. Um, but even that, like you felt like wow, two hundred it was it was so little because I work all these twenty-four hour shifts and all of that. You know, I supposed to get a, a, you know way more mm-hmm. than the than the two hundred. So you know, it's it's more like you know going beyond the the law, right? Because uh, if you look at you know here some of these so-called experts, they can lie to you. Yeah. You know, they they like for you to protect the interests of the of the employers. You know, yeah. so so in the end, I think that they, they feel like it's 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 really absurd. You know, they're working all these year twenty four hour shifts, only two hundred. You know, for the whole time. So that's how uh you know what what sparks the the whole thing. Yeah, I also can imagine if I mean if you're an immigrant and you like are going up against these lawyers and these kind of you know corporate um, people who run the, the agencies like the CPC, which we'll talk about, it's a bit intimidating to go and say like, you know, to go, to go up against someone who has a bunch of fancy credentials, a big title, a lot of power. It's like a power dynamic, right? It's a different, it's an imbalance of power between the actual workers and the people who are telling them these oftentimes lies about how much they should be paid. Well, um, if, you, if you fight by yourself, then, 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 then yes. But then right. that's why, you know, we do the organizing. And, right. and mobilization because many people share the similar uh, condition, same problem. Yeah. Right. So when they when they come together, then then you know really able to show that they have you know they actually see that they have uh, power. Yeah. Let's, let's, so let's get into the this the CPC. Okay. So the Canadian. Oh, sorry. <laughs> keep saying Canadian. Uh, Chinese American uh, Planning Council. They've been around for a while. A lot of the stuff I've seen online, like the the tweets from um, you know the Flushing Worker Center and articles about this, have talked about what the CPC is enacting on these workers as violence. Like that's the specific term that they're using, right? Like labor violence. Um, Maybe Sarah, you can speak to that a bit, right? Because there's no direct abuse, but it's a lot of indirect abuse in the working conditions. How do they justify using that term? Yeah, um, I mean, it is direct abuse, right? Um, and we're not just saying that it's labor violence. We're saying that this is violence um, that is being inflicted on these women. And the women have been saying that themselves. The reason we started to um, you know, call out the violence is that um, recently, you know, so as Zishan and I have laid out, you know, this fight has been going on for many years. Um, but uh, most recently, right, there's a lot of talk about violence in, you know, in the news, um, just mm-hmm. in everyday life, right? Violence against Asians, violence against women. Um, so, you know, of course, in, in our organizing as well, and for, you know, all of the workers and, and, you know, all of us who are part of this fight, 
um, it's um, we're talking about it as well, right? And so, what kind of sparked this um, this new fight against CPC is that um, a few months ago, when the you know Asian violence, anti Asian violence sort of um, you know stuff like you know uh, you know started, yeah. um, CPC was very public. Um, they were in the news. They were um, you know lobbying in Albany. Um, to get money, to get money from the state to fight Asian violence. And um, I think in the last, you know, in New York State, our budget is released, I think, in like April or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and in that last round, um, they were, um, you know, um, with a bunch of other groups, but, you know, at the forefront of uh, getting this uh, $10 million pot of money to, again, quote unquote, fight Asian violence. And that was widely reported on, right? Like in yep. you know, Chinese news and, you know, English news. And, and it really pissed people off, right? It was, uh, you know, people saying, you know, these women who have been, you know, demanding their agency, you know, uh, demanding their employer, you know, um, stop these 24-hour the, these shifts, um, pay back them, you know, their wages, resolve their lawsuits. You know, they've been dra they've been dragging out this fight for so many years, right? It's been six over six years at this point. Um, to see them, you know, have the gall to say they are going to fight um, Asian violence, I think, was what really triggered this this new sort of boycott against CPC. Um, so that's why we're using violence, and we're not. It's not a, um, yeah, it's not even um, saying that. Um, you know, um, this is the, the I, what, oh yeah, you said labor violence, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's like, no, the, the conditions are such that it is actually um, causing physical and, you know, what is violence, right? It's when, you know, you are physically attacked, mentally attacked, right? And that's what these women are saying, right? Um, that, that's what they've been, they've been saying for so long, right? That um, the toll this takes on them, you know, a lot of them are, um, you know, suffering from a lot of health conditions, you know, a lot of these women I find, you know, they can't actually do the 24 hour for very, very long because it mm -hmm. is so grueling, you know, at some point, you know, some of them have become, you know, permanently disabled. You know, we organize with some women, you know, uh, this woman is not, not Chinese. She is actually a, a Dominican woman, but, you know, she mm -hmm. is a not, you know, she's not very old. She's probably, you know, in, you know, one of the younger home care workers, um, but she has been suffering from, um, you know, really severe back and neck injuries from, you know, the, the you know, because a lot of these women have to do heavy lifting, right? Especially mm -hmm. if, um, you know, the patient is not mobile. mobile. And so, um, you know, she's just having surgery after surgery, and, you know, and, and, you know, they're very clear that this is, this is due to the work, right? Um, that this work and these, you know, 24-hour shift have, have stolen their health, have stolen their years, have stolen their, you know, things that really, you know, you can never get back. Um, so I think, you know, that's why we are calling out the violence, right? And saying that, you know, um, you know, the violence is not just, you know, the, um, you know, being physically, you know, uh, uh, like, you know, attacked in the street, you know, it's not just street violence, right? It's not just, um, you know, I think also in, in New York State with the governor, there's been also, you know, a lot of talk of the sexual harassment against women, etc. Mm -hmm. you know, um, it's not just that either, right? And, you know, we should really um, come together to fight all forms of violence, right, against, um, against women against workers against you know yeah and and let's level set on this right like these agencies like the cpc they're not giving additional health care i'm guessing to their workers um a lot of well the cpc workers get health care through their union okay 
okay, so it's really the union that's providing that healthcare because it's kind of like to me, it's you know, it's it's very unfortunate to hear that a couple of things. One is that like they go through this grueling, you know, sleep deprivation, physical um, harm to their bodies, and so on which may or may not be covered, is covered if they're with a union. And then further than that, like, I think what's kind of extra upsetting is that, you know, these women are, like, again, going back to the demographics, they're like in their 50s sometimes, right? They're like getting senior themselves to some extent. And that's being, you know, their conditions being accelerated by the grueling work conditions they're in. And soon they may end up being, you know, becoming one of these people who needs help from a home attendant, right? Mm -hmm. It's almost like feeding back into the system, um, which is pretty upsetting to think about. Um, I think the the part of it that's like particularly that, that pisses people off that's very hypocritical is this idea that like the CPC would come out with this stop stop the Asian you know stop Asian violence banner, receive ten million dollars from the state while literally performing the violence against you know Asian American women themselves. It's basically state sanctioned violence, right? You're paying this organization to enact more violence. Um, yeah, yeah, because a lot of the, the CPC, you know, they're funded by the government. So we've yeah. been calling them out as uh, government sponsors, Westshop. That's right. Um, yeah. and, and also the touch on the, the violence, right? Like Sarah mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. you know, this is a very New York City problem because uh, outside New York City, actually, um, uh, split shift, you know, the, the home care workers, they work split shift. Yeah. Uh, two 12-hour shifts or three eight-hour shifts, you know, taking care of the 24-hour uh, patient. So, you know, why New York City, right? Is it because uh, majority of those who work in New York City for home care is uh, women of color? Mm-hmm. You know, so we call it ours, uh, you know, racial violence, you know, because uh, how come, you know, there's no law to say New York City is uh, special? You know, this is a whole New York State, you know, uh, uh, labor regulation. You know, why New York City in particular? So the CBC kind of built on this uh, kind of racism and they, you know, enact the violence, you know, on their own folks. Um, yeah. And I want to also add that, uh, you know, there might be some, you know, question to ask, oh, you know, why 24-hour shifts? You know, why can't you, you know, choose some other shifts? Mm-hmm. Um, usually these workers, they're left with two choices, right? You know, they, they come here, they don't have, you know, much, you know, opportunity. They probably go, you know, uh, at the beginning go into government, but then government uh, industry has uh, has gone down. So, you know, they have probably no, not many, not, not much other choice, uh, but to go into home care. Um, usually they, they're presented with, with one of the two choices, right? Either you work twenty-four hour hour shifts, and if you if you refuse, the agency will say, "Oh, then there's no other work," uh, mm-hmm. or they or they will probably assign you somewhere very far, only a few hours a week. They will say, "Oh, you know, you can, you know, you, you go to Jamaica, which will probably you, you probably spend like more than an hour on the train mm-hmm. uh, to go there, take care of uh, someone, you know, three to four hours a week." So, you know, people think, oh, well, I have to survive. I have to pay my rent. I have to take care of my children, all of that. So right. you have to choose either 24 hours or no job. Um, yeah. and, and even worse, they don't, if, if, you don't, if you don't have any, any assignment, the agency even will stop you from collecting unemployment. So people feel like they, have, they pretty much have no choice. You know, you know, yeah. you know, to survive, they have to accept the, the 24-hour uh, shift. Is there a sense that these Chinese workers feel like they need to trust the CPC? Well, not need to, but like that they should trust the CPC because the CPC is Chinese run. Is there a sense that there's that kind of, you know, uh, like there's nowhere else to go. These folks speak Chinese. They have access to jobs that they give to Chinese people like myself. So I should just work for them. I think the choice, I think it's it's rather that than how how you're going to find other jobs. 
you know, yeah. because uh, like 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 you mentioned earlier about the language barrier, right? They they cannot really like like go out and 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 work somewhere else that that speak a language that they don't understand. Yeah. Uh, so the the Chinese American Plan Council and you know agencies like like this to really you know uh, run the sweatshop based on based on you know using using that factor, mm-hmm. you know, to say yeah, of course, you know, we have the Chinese program and stuff like that, but you know, you have to accept this kind of condition. And uh, and and if you speak out, they will even say, "Well, you know, we all we are all in the same community." That's right. That's exactly it. That's exactly what I'm getting at, right? Like, there's this idea that this nonprofit, and not just the fact that they're you know Chinese American, but that they're a nonprofit, makes it so that they are kind of beyond reproach, right? In fact, this is I'm taking this line directly from a, a op-ed written by Ron Kim, I think, in the Manhattan Gazette. He says. Have we become so differential that we assume that any entity with nonprofit status is beyond reproach? Right. He he really and I'll, I'll share this in the um, the uh, the show notes. But like Ron Kim really um, shows this kind of danger that that these nonprofits have in terms of their overreach. Right. Especially if they have a you know a race or ethnicity associated with them that gives them kind of more power to be shooted against criticism. Right. It makes it easier for them to abuse uh, workers. Um, that that definitely feels evident here. I don't know if that leads to any kind of awkwardness for you guys in your also very kind of Chinese, you know, Chinese oriented um, worker centers to well, go up against another Chinese organization. Um, does that become an issue ever? Well, this is the kind of identity politics that's been going on, right? right? I mean, right. yeah, I mean, I think uh, Assembly Member Ron Kim, I think, say pretty pretty good, uh, you know, and I think that's been the condition that we we have been you know seeing right nonprofit especially but also also you know other uh private entities uh, as well they will use this uh, use the identity to justify whatever they they do to their own folks you know right. uh the fellow uh you know in the chinese community uh and that's why you know we say there's a lot of you know the the special condition really really predominant you know in 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 our community because of the the kind of identity you know to say oh you know just as, as long as I'm, I mean, I'm the same skin color, I'm the same, same, same race, then I can do whatever I want. Right, or that you're trustworthy or something. Right? Yeah. So, um, so that's been the the the, the kind of uh, thinking that we have been battling for uh, for a long time. Right. Uh, because we see a lot of these sweatshop bosses, they are the they they are also you know Asian or Chinese you know themselves. So they will use this kind of ethnic solidarity uh, kind of language, you know, and and when you speak out, they will say, "Wow, you know, you're." You are you are destroying the Chinatown community, uh, the the economy. Um, but actually, over the years, the workers through the organizing, you know, ab- they're able to improve the condition, or uh, mm-hmm. in in working condition uh, in Chinatown. Because if we if we set an example, you know, uh, to 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 kind of challenge the the sweatshop boss, then other employers they they will have to they will have to follow because they see that wow, actually the workers are really standing up and challenge what what they've been doing wrong. So I better also also try to uh, uh, you know uh, treat the, the workers better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that way, actually, the workers are taking the lead, you know, in in changing the condition. Uh, and uh, but at the same time, you know, the the kind of identity politics still, you know, as as you can see with the CPC, you know, how how come this you know twenty four hour workdays, you know, that's really actually really shameful, you know, to say in Manhattan Chinatown this this thing exists. You know, none other places like like this. You know, if you talk about like like internationally, even, you mm-hmm. know, this is actually shameful for the U.S. to to even have this kind of uh, you know working condition. Um, 
so the workers they see themselves as you know yeah taking the lead to to really um change it to really you know speak out you know against it uh so the way that is to um also to to unify you know with you know workers uh across uh races right so as uh you know we mentioned earlier you know we also unify with the latino workers and workers mm-hmm. from, from you know across the boundaries um so that way we need to break through the the, the kind of the the the, the blockage right uh, you know created by this uh, kind of identity uh, to say yeah we actually uh, workers across the races we have the similar interests we all want to want to end this yeah I want to save this for the last part of our conversation um, about the big picture but I think there's also maybe some some idea that maybe we need to break across class barriers too right like one thing I think about is like who are the people who are running the CPC, right? They're not in the same class necessarily as the, um, you know, the, the, the women who are working as the actual attendants, right, for the agency, right? They are going to be people like, you know, Wayne Ho, who's this president and CEO of the CPC. Um, this is public information. He makes 250 grand a year, right, to run this organization. Um, you know, I don't think anyone's going to even come close to approaching that kind of salary as a worker there. Um, and it's upsetting because he gets paid this much money to use his Asian face to basically, you know, dilute and launder what they're doing to other, to, uh, you know, lower class Asian people. Um, so we'll get a bit more into, I think the class divide and how we can talk a bit about, you know, people who are maybe more better educated, you want to call it that like white collar kind of workers, how we can find some solidarity. But before we get there, I want to talk a bit about the political side of this. Um, so we talked about Ron Kim, right? Um, he's been on our pod a few times. We're, we're big fans of him. Um, he wrote, so he wrote the, the op-ed that I was quoting um, from, he wrote that that uh, that op-ed to declare that kind of Andrew Yang, right? The mayoral candidate, Andrew Yang, um, is the only mayoral candidate that has basically signed in favor of ending the 24-hour um, uh, shift. Uh Look, we're not necessarily fans of Andrew Yang here. We've criticized him quite a bit on this podcast before, you know. But is there a credit due to Andrew Yang for actually kind of backing uh, that kind of that that whole fight? I think, yeah, of course. You know, um, I don't know if folks saw how Andrew Yang came to sign the pledge, but um, you know, Ron Kim played a, a big role in that. Ron has been a very, um, you know, early and, and clear supporter of the workers and this from the beginning. You know, I think, um, you know, he's, um, you know, he's he's been standing with them. And so he um, brought um, Andrew Yang to our worker center um, recently uh, for a town hall where, mm-hmm. you know, he asked him to listen to what the workers had to say. And, um, you know, I think it's um, difficult for any um, elected or, you know, even candidate to take a stand against CPC, right, Um, for all the reasons that we were talking about before. Um, And so, you know, Andrew, too, was very um, hesitant. I don't know if if any of your listeners uh, caught it, but he, you know, so the workers have this pledge that they have been, um, you know, and a lot of young people have been helping to circulate to, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the politicians and to the candidates because we're in the thick of a lot of New York City races right now. Um, and um, asking them to pledge to support, stand with the workers um, in condemning CPC. And, um, you know, until they meet, um, they have, again, three very simple demands. One is to end the 24-hour workday immediately. Two is to pay back the full amount of stolen wages. 
and three is to publicly apologize to them, right, for right. for all of this, right? Right. And so, um, yeah, so, you know, a lot of the candidates um, have been signing on. And so at first, Andrew Yang tried to actually um, tweak <laughs> to change the pledge um, to say, <laughs> oh, you know, uh, I stand with you, but, you know, it's not just CPC. You know, it's the, you know, the uh, I don't care if CPC pays the money. It can also come from the state, you know. So there was a very funny, you know, sort of interaction um, in there. But, um, you know, the workers were very clear and they said, look, you know, that we're this is our pledge. Um, you know, they've been kind of given the runaround for many years, you know, um, a lot, you know, as, as again, we've been laying out, they've been, you know, leading this fight, you know, um, and, and they've been, you know, a lot, you know, the state, the governor, the union, the agencies, you know, they've all been sort of passing the buck and making it so that it's nobody's problem, right? So mm-hmm. this is why they're saying, you know, CPC is a direct employer, you know, they are the ones who forced us into these conditions, you know, and the law says they must take responsibility, you know, and so that's why, um, so, you know, they, they, they convinced him, they convinced Yang to, you know, sign the pledge unaltered and, and, um, and stand with them. And I think, you know, that we should give credit to that. He is the only mayor candidate who has, who has done that so far, you know? Um, so, you know, I think this also shows how, you know, um, how, uh, you know, workers, you know, like in, in this instance, the home attendants are, um, you know, push using the race, right, to, to push out their, their agenda. You know, where are the other uh, mayoral candidates? You know, we're living in a time where all our races are really filled with, you know, oh, ending racism, ending sexism, right, mm-hmm. doing this, doing that, you know. Um, yet, what does that mean, right? I mean, you know, you even have CPC, the employer, who are, who are you know, using some of these same kind of slogans, right? Um, and, and um, you know, kind of buzzwords, right? So I think it's really important that, you know, we make it very clear, right? And make very clear lines um, and, 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 you know, do things like, you know, encouraging people to sign the pledge. You know, it's like this is, you know, you don't just use empty slogans, right, to advance mm-hmm. yourself or say you're going to do something for working people or for people people of color or, you know, the Asian community, et cetera. But, you know, put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, I don't even, I mean, you can look at them as empty slogans or you can look at them as extremely loaded slogans, right, kind of to what Zushin was saying about identity politics being weaponized left, mm-hmm. right, and center, but no one actually willing to do the, the work to like even sign a pledge for something that's very obviously in favor of the working class, which we need to support in, in a place like New York City to keep it thriving, right? Um, I think a lot of the the more, you know, and people are pretty bad at kind of laying out the playing field for these different candidates for New York, the New York uh, mayorship, but the more progressive um, candidates, Dan Morales being one of them, you know, they've been apparently reached out to about this issue and they're being completely silent, which is baffling to me because if you are progressive, you care about things like, um, you know, people of color being treated better in, in the city, then like, what, shouldn't this be a no brainer? Like, shouldn't they all be signed? This should just be table stakes to have their pledge out, you know? Um, so it, it makes me wonder if there's something unique about this group of workers that these politicians are not willing to back, right? Like, is it because they're Chinese? Is that part of it? Is it because they're Asian American and they're seen as less important, less of a priority than other groups? I, I don't know if you guys get a sense of that or not. If, if like race, you know, or race and class in this case makes it uh, a lower priority um, for people who are not like, say, Andrew Yang. I think the uh, agencies like CPC they have a lot of connection in the in the um, political uh, circle, 
Yeah. Um, so you know they definitely like like you know Sarah laid out earlier, right? They they you know uh, raised the banner fighting anti Asian violence. They able to get like ten million mm-hmm. from the state government. So that shows they have some some uh, power, you know, in the in the in the government, you know, and yeah, uh, a lot of connections. So you know when they when you know of course when when the home care workers say you know you should pay you know pay back the stolen stolen wages, they can say they they have no money. But at the same time, they get all this money, you know, from the from the government. They even uh, run candidates, right? Uh, you know, probably not directly from the from the organization, but you know, they they their, their board director uh, Jenny Lowe, now is running for city council mm-hmm. uh, in the local uh, district. Mm-hmm. So that shows that you know they they're more than uh, you know just like a, you know innocent social service, you know, doing good things. Yeah. Um, but they actually have a lot of connection, and we have heard that in the in the uh in the in the race even some of the mayoral candidates they would uh try to defend uh cpc's uh perspective by saying oh you know the problem is uh lack of money um <laughs> uh because we don't have enough uh asian faces in the in the government that's why we don't have enough money so you know we need to elect you know the 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 asian candidates you know to office so that we're able to get more money the state so, just hand them. The state just hand them ten million dollars and not enough money to solve this problem. Like, yeah, yeah, that's that's so ridiculous, right? And and I and you know I I don't doubt you know if that kind of thinking also in in other candidates uh, as well, you know, you know, including some of those you know so called progressive candidates, mm-hmm. you know, who might you know say all these uh, you know hip things, you know, uh, to talk about oh you know support a union whatever, but you know as you can hear the the Morales has her own issue. You know, with the union busting stuff, so yeah. it kind of shows that you know what they what they say and, and what they do have uh, have 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 some gap, uh, and and you know when it comes to like for example seeing the racial violence you know uh, against home attendants in their mm-hmm. own city, you know none of them you know I mean majority of them don't don't even speak out, you know so so that's the the thing you know whether whether they 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 left right or center you know I think I think when they when when it comes to issues like this you know they. They basically, you know, show that they, they actually, you know, uh, have have more in common than than the difference. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, we we would, you know, we, we we want to see, you know, more mayoral candidates and other candidates to to really um, show their support. Um, actually, we have got a, a lot more uh, city council candidates uh, to sign on to support. Uh, but for the right. mayoral candidate, right? Of course, we want to see, yeah, where's where's Eric Adams? You know, another front runner in this yeah. race. Yeah, you know, we have sent them the pledge. You know, where where are they? You know, mm-hmm. so we of course we, we we want to have have them to sign on as well. That is a good. I mean, I think it's a good question. Is it like a matter of priority for them? Like, is this group um, a priority for them to support, or is it that they're too kind of entrenched in New York City politics and you know all the groups that are related there that they can't do something because they're going to piss off somebody, or maybe they have someone you know working for them that may be working at the CPC. It's hard to say, but that may also explain why Andrew Yang was, you know, it, it worked out for him that he could go and sign the pledges because he is not as in, in you know, embroiled in New York City politics as these other candidates. That's why people hate him so much and want to get him out of the race because he hasn't gone through all the hoops um, that they've gone through in their careers to get to where they are running for mayor. Um, so it was interesting to see all that. End of the day, what's really depressing about this for me is that if you are running for mayor, you're you're talking about taking a position of leadership where you're helping the people of the city and yet that somehow prevents you from helping the people of the city, right? Cause you're so uh, wrapped up in the politics that you, you know, you can't sign something out of concern that it might piss off a group that 
may send votes your way or have you know send donations your way that kind of thing so well that's why you see the 24-hour workday can can exist for so long yeah that's right because it's just you know candidate after candidate of people who you know don't care or like can't care right about this issue um because of their connections um let's uh let's talk let's talk about big picture um so one interesting fact that I keep coming across when I look at like labor statistics and, and labor, labor projections is, you know, I work in tech and there's a lot of talk about tech being the big job boon of the future, right? A lot of people getting into programming and so on because it makes good money, all that stuff. But if you look at a lot of these um, studies and reports and surveys, they actually point to nursing and like the whole kind of like realm of occupations around nursing and including these home attendants and so on are going to end up becoming the number one job boom in America in the next few decades, right? Because of all these boomers aging into senior care. So if we follow that trend, it sounds to me like, you know, if, if things like the 24 hour workday and, you know, what the CPC is doing by abusing it continues to live on, we're just going to see more and more abuse, you know, abusive situations for these workers to fall into. Um, this issue isn't just specific to New York City, are you guys hearing from maybe you know other worker center uh, in other um, cities, other states that there's similar problems? I understand there's no you know they don't have 24 hour work shifts, but are you hearing that there's other abuses of this kind of class of workers in other states? Um, I think there's definitely a lot out there about you know sort of um, the the conditions that these workers are facing. Um, I think there is, though, unfortunately, a lot of focus. Um, and, you know, this is not just from um, kind of, um, you know, like with any industry, like you said, this is a huge industry, right? Mm -hmm. um, um, home, not just home health care, but, you know, um, workers, but, you know, all those sort of um, people that go into long-term care, right? And um, is that you have a lot of people speaking, um, you know, kind of uh, speaking on their behalf, right? So there's a lot of focus on, for example, you know, oh, like we have to, um, you know, um, what is it, raise wages, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you even have, you know, Biden, right, talking about that as part of his national infrastructure plan, right? Um, and I think it actually reduces um, what, um, you know, what when we say that, you know, this is, yeah, a... a, a a huge industry, um, already huge and only going to be growing, um, doing very, very important work, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, all of these sort of um, things that we will be facing to reduce it just to a matter of um, a few more, um, you know, a few more dollars, right? That will solve the problem, right? Um, particularly, you see that with, you know, these workers who are facing, you know, the 24-hour um, it kind of doesn't matter what the minimum wage is, right? Um, the minimum wage in, in, in you know, uh, New York State has gone up, you know, every year. New York City has gone up every year mm -hmm. for the past few years. Um, but these women, you know, always saw, um, you know, half of those, those, those wages, whatever it was, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, you know, when we say that, you know, this is, um, you know, going to be an expanding workforce. This is going to be, you know, a lot more people are going to be having to do this work. A lot of our loved ones are going to be needing this care as well. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, I think we really have to think about, um, you know, 
not just saying that we'll solve those problems by you know like throwing a few more dollars at it, right? Um, that if we really value this work and see how important and how hard it is, that um, you know we need to protect the conditions, like the long hours, right? That you know people need time to you know go home, have their own lives, recover, you know, rest, you know, all of these things, you know, rejuvenate. You know, my my grandmother has very bad dementia, and it's exhausting. Even just spending a few hours with her is is mm-hmm. is so draining. You know, um, so you know, I think for um, yeah, you know, when we talk about that, I think it's really you know important that we don't. You know, I think another thing about this fight has been you know uh, whenever we have you know, advocated for, you know, we have a bill, you know, calling for the ban of the 24-hour workday, you know, we have been, you know, these women have been, you know, in all arenas, you know, calling for an end to this. Um, everyone always reduces it to money, saying, oh, there's not enough money for, for this to happen, right? Um, and, you know, what does that mean then, right? <laughs> it means that, you know, what we are, you know, what what these, you know, our electeds and such are, are saying is that, you know, we we need to create and uphold a system that really is built on the backs of these, you know, immigrant workers, you know, women of color workers, um, to do all of this work, you know, that uh, to sustain this, right? And so I think it's really, you know, uh, critical that we, you know, come together to end it, you know, especially here in New York State. So like you said, it doesn't spread, you know, nationally. Yes, you any thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, I want to like also uh, echo what Sarah said about the money uh, issue, um, because, uh, you know, like many of these home care workers, right, they've been saying, you know, more money cannot buy, you know, buy back my, my, my health, you know, my, my family relations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my, you know, my, my youth, you know, my, my, you know, when, when they start working, they were relatively young. Um, so, you know, I think the, uh, and also you can see the, the kind of hypocrisy, right. Of, uh, many of these, uh, progressive, they, they kind of see reduce it as a uh, money issue. Uh, while the reality is that actually many workers, they, they haven't even been able to collect the minimum wage, like the home care workers, right. Uh, the the twenty four hours only get pay 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 twelve. So any amount of increase, you have to divide it by 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 half. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, I think in the end, right, what, what we see the 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 problem, you know, like the twenty four hour workday, you know, even you can see like like this um, uh, elected official try to justify it. If we allow this to um, continue, then soon you know twenty four hours become the become the norm, right? Long hours of work become the become the the norm. And everyone would say, oh, 24 hours is, is, is okay, you know. And so imagine, like, like, you know, there's nothing worse than that because, you know, we, you only have 24 hours a day, right? If all your time is being devoted to, to, to work, you know. So, you know, that's why I think going back, right, why, why we say this is very important fight, uh, not just in the home care industry. You know, of course, you know, people in the home care industry taking the lead. But we also say, yeah, that's why other people... Uh, should also care about this. Um, so whether you know it's in home care or in other industry, long hours have increasingly become the become the norm, right? You work, you know, uh, we talk about eight hour workday uh, over a century ago, but nowadays, you know, we talk about eight hour workday, people will laugh at you. You know how can yeah. you, know, you yeah. know like like how how many people have like eight hour workday anymore, right? So right. so that's the kind of uh, situation you know we are in. Uh, and we care about talking talk about the care industry, also like you know, also other stuff. And you know, we we're talking about like why you know people you know other people should should care about this, you know. Uh, and um, 
Uh, and you know why? You know if we allow this twenty four hour to to exist, then you know it's it's going to be bad for other other industry uh, yeah. as well. I have to give credit to um, one of our patron fans, Dusty Toast, who sent this. First of all, he asked me to do this podcast with you guys, but also sent me this kind of thoughtful message about how this relates to white collar work, right? To like you know lazy techies like myself who uh, maybe think this doesn't affect them at all, or this isn't related, but it is. So I mean, just an example, right? Like white collar workers, they complain about very similar stuff. They complain about being burnt out, being just like half there because they can't unplug. They complain about insomnia, right? Maybe because they're in front of a screen for too long. You know, they complain about like having to, you know, answer emails and be on chat over the weekends because they, the employers have access to them all the time because of smartphones, right? Those are in, in just parallels to the issues that we talked about over the last hour about what, you know, these home care workers are, are up to as well, right? Um, you know, I, thought, I think there's also this idea that we get here in North America that, you know, sweatshops are very far away. They're in Vietnam, they're in Bangladesh, whatever. We don't have sweatshop conditions here in the U.S., but we do, right? It, it's, it's kind of these home care worker conditions to some extent um, and, and to a less, lesser extent, but a very real extent you know, white collar workers as well. Um, I think one thing that was inspiring when we were talking, preparing for this um, was that I, I learned that a lot of the people who are at both the Flushing Worker Center um, uh, as well as the, uh, the uh, Chinese Staff and Workers Association are actually younger people, right? Um, for example, another person who asked me to do this podcast with you guys, Sarah, um, who works with um, the uh, Flushing Worker Center, shout out to Sarah for setting this up. Um, she's doing a lot of like social media and stuff for you, right, Sarah? Sorry, not Sarah. <laughs> Kathy, Kathy um, is helping you out with uh, social media and whatnot. Um, are you guys seeing a lot more interest from younger folks in your, your two worker center? Yeah, I think people have been, you know, plugging in the fights. They, they, you know, they hear about this from, you know, uh, all different uh, channels. Um, mm -hmm. But I think the, you know, the reason there, uh, many of them are involved is like you pointed out earlier that the, they see the kind of similar conditions, you know, they share, you know, regardless of, you know, uh, whether, whether it's blue collar or, or, or white collar, um, like the long, the long hours, right? Um, because uh, like I mentioned earlier, about a century ago, uh, the workers have been fighting for the eight hour day and it concerns, you know, not only in particular industry, right? Mm -hmm. And it cut across and that's how uh, the uh, working people at the time were able to unify, you know, around, around this demand. Um, but since then, there's a lot of, uh, you know, um, distraction and a lot of uh, compromise, you know, in the labor movement to kind of frame it as a, as a money issue. Uh, money issue able to divide people because uh, if you're high pay versus you're low pay, then mm -hmm. people will say, oh, we have uh, different interests. Uh, so that's how, you know, the system able to divide people. Right. Um, but nowadays, I think people gradually, they, they kind of see the, the, the common interests. You know, if they are not able to see across, then then again, very easy for the the system to continue the division, and continue to let them see themselves as different from other workers. And if they are not able to come together, then then they then then they wouldn't have the the power to make a change collectively. Um, because uh, like I said, you know, earlier about the sweatshop condition, right? Yeah, people now they able. It's pretty eye opening to see. Wow, actually, right in here in the heart of New York City, you have the. The, the, the probably the worst sweatshop, you know, uh, talking about yeah. 24 hour workday is probably the worst in the whole world. 
Um, but people also reflect uh, on their own condition, right? You know, yeah, we, you know, we, you, the, the, the condition you mentioned earlier, you know, about the, the, the overtime work, you know, the burnout, you know, in the, in the white collar industries. Uh, actually, in, uh, it reminds me of uh, in, uh, in Chinese, uh, we, we have this uh, word for the, for the tech workers. Uh, it's called ma nong. Ma nong mm-hmm. means like digital peasant. <laughs> All right. So, so yeah. the, the kind of phrase to refer that, you know, the condition actually not, is, is not different, you know, from the, from the low-wage workers, right? And, and, and in China, you probably heard here about the 996. Oh yeah, right. yeah. The, the nine a.m. to nine p.m. six days a week. You know, it's it's the it's some it's somehow it's normal, right, in the tech industry. Yeah. Um. When I when I introduce this kind of uh, uh campaign, right, for the nine nine six campaign, you know, to the to the workers here, they were like, "Wow, we have been working this kind of nine nine six for years." Right. In a restaurant, you know, not to mention the home cares, twenty four hour workdays. So people kind of see the common ground on that. And many young people are excited by this because they see, yeah, the workers actually able to stand up and actually challenge their boss and challenge the government, you know, to, to go against this kind of, you know, people perceive as, as normal. Yeah. And they, 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 you know, people feel like they're able, they're able to learn a lot, you know, from, from these workers. Yeah, so, I think uh, to some extent, they also may even see these workers as like unexpectedly having power when they band together, right? They're like, oh, they, their English is not great. They're, they're not making a lot of money. They don't have a lot of capital, like social capital or economic capital, yet they can still make change if they, you know, band together, you know, through the help of these organizations. Yeah, I think that's very inspiring for them. So yeah, if the, if the home care workers can stand up, why not us? Exactly, you know? yeah. I think yeah. that's a lot of what people learn through the worker center. You know, I mean, you mentioned Kathy earlier, but myself too, you know, I mean, I'm also an educated, you know, I'm not a tech worker, but you know, I have a degree. I, you know, speak English. I grew up here, educated mm-hmm. here, but you know, I mean, I, I also came to worker center organizing because I saw, you know, um, our conditions really going down the hole. Right. And, and didn't really see, you know, my friends, my peers really able to, um, you know, collectively stand up against it, right? I mean, we all had our complaints and, you know, do this, do that job from job to job, you know? Um, and I think that's what I learned from, you know, organizing at the worker center with other workers, right? That when we, you know, uh, like this was things kind of um, open our eyes and kind of go beyond the sort of divisions, you know, that's imposed on us, right? The white, the blue, the old, the young, immigrant, yeah. English speaking, um, that, you know, there's really a... Um, potential and 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 grounds like real you know and you can see it right for um you know standing up um and and making making these gains right so you know i think yeah there's um i mean you know for for those who are in new york city you know um it's really the worker center is open to to workers of all all works of life you know so we're going to definitely put um you know the websites for for both your organizations uh in our show notes so people can check it out and find more information. Is there anything else you'd want to plug? Is, uh, you know, is there anything that folks can get online and sign any petitions, anything like that, that we can get our listeners to check out? Sure. Um, so we actually have an upcoming um, protest in front of CPC. Um, it's uh, June 2nd. So that's this coming Wednesday. I'm not sure when this is going to be released. but um, we'll, we'll try to get it out before then, maybe the same day. Yeah. Um, 
but if not, this is an ongoing issue, right? This, this it won't be the last one. It's, yes, yeah. So um, people can also sign, um, as I mentioned before, the workers have a pledge. You know, we have been mostly targeting, you know, electeds and candidates, but you know, any individual organization is welcome to sign it as well and say that you know they commit to standing with the the CPC workers. Um, that's on um, tinyurl.com slash boycott CPC. Um, so people we'll show that link. Out. Yep. Yeah, people can find out that way, and then you know follow our worker center and um, um, uh, on uh, you know we're at Flushing Workers. The people can also follow the NI Women campaign, which is at AIW campaign um, on Twitter, Instagram, and such. And you know stay stay um, you know on top of what's going on in the fight, and you know find ways to participate to support. Um, through those means. Coalition, you want to add anything to that list? Uh, sure, because uh, we mentioned earlier about the many young people right, plugging in the fights. Uh, they also have their own group uh, called Youth Against Sweatshops. Um, so they're kind of taking up this own group, uh, you know, on themselves and try to, you know, help spread the word and 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 do a lot of updates, you know, on the the campaign, you know, fight against 24-hour workdays, hold these sweatshop bosses like CPC accountable. Uh, so you can follow uh, on the Instagram and, and Twitter. Um, it's called Youth ASMYC. So it's Y-O-U-T-H-A-S-M-Y-C. Great. Awesome. All right. I want to thank the two of you for coming on the show. Uh, great chat. We'll probably revisit this topic again in the future, hopefully get an update from you. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you, Sarah and Zishun, for joining us on Escape from Plan A. Uh, this is uh, Philip signing off. Yep. Bye. Thank you. Bye.